The letter to the Hebrews was written <clears throat> to encourage Christians in a time of trial. There is great emphasis on the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The book goes to great lengths to encourage the people of God to stay the course. And in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer uses athletic imagery to illustrate how we are on this journey as Christians. And it was not abnormal in that culture for them to use that kind of language. And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the Great Hall of Faith. And there's all these uh, men and women who have gone before us that are demonstrating all the different things of how they've had to endure persecution and challenge as they continue to walk it out. And then the Hebrew writer transitions in chapter 12 and basically encourages us to say, you can do this. And you're surrounded by all these people. And, and that's what begins to happen. And what's unique about chapter 12, though, is now we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, but you and I are the participants. And we're the ones now in the race, and we're the, now walking and, and trying to pursue and, and, and walk with God and, and, and amidst all the adversity and all the challenges. And what's going on culturally at this time is not that these people are dealing with a bunch of sin issues internally as much as the fact that the culture is pressing in on them and challenging them and pushing them out. And that's where we pick it up in chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, if you will turn there, and we'll read starting in verse 1. The scripture reads like this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Lord, would you speak today? And God, would you encourage us as we are walking out this Christian life? Lord, may we be encouraged today that we can run the race with endurance and finish in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what's interesting in this passage is this, is that, as I described a moment ago, we've got this imagery of all these people that have gone before us, and it gives us encouragement and hope, but now we're running this race, and the author is encouraging us to, to do two simple things. He says, let us... Lay aside every weight. And in the language, that, that word weight is only used one time in all of Scripture, and it simply translates like this. It's called a hindrance. He's saying in this race that we're on, lay aside every hindrance. Anything that would distract and, and, and hold you back, put that stuff aside. Now, if I was a true runner, which I'm not, but I borrowed this sweet little marathon badge from my wife who did walk a marathon years ago in Portland. And if I was preparing for that marathon, and it was today, in fact, we have some uh, church members uh, today who are in Denver participating in a half marathon. And I can assure you they're not carrying extra weight around today. And if you or I were running that race and it was game time, you and I would quickly begin to go, we've got to get rid of this stuff. And for all the naysayers who think this is for Halloween, it's for real. And it's amazing, whoo, oxygen, whoo. As amazing as that moment feels, when that weight was constricting on my lungs and making it challenging to breathe just to walk, 
is exactly what it feels like spiritually when we begin to lay aside those things that cause distraction, those things that weigh us down, it, it's lifted off of us. And he's just saying, we've got to lay those things aside. Now, interestingly, he doesn't specify what those things are. Again, in context, there's no indication that there's these big problems going on in the life of this group of people, these Jewish people that are being persecuted for their faith. It's a generic term, and it provides a lot of latitude for you and I. Anything that would classify as weighing us down, we should consider. And then he goes on right after that and says, And the sin which clings so closely. Lay aside every weight. And the sin which clings so closely. And again, the sin word, the language here is very broad and very open. Again, indicating that there's latitude in how this is applied. And something it may be the sin that we deal with internally. Just the stuff that that I wrestle with, my sin. Others think the context may be more sin that's in the culture. And as we try to navigate this thing, there's sin challenges that throw themselves at us and we're trying to figure out how to weave and work through all that. And either way, all of those things are true. And it's very difficult to run with endurance the race marked out before us when we've got these weights and these sin issues. And the idea of the sin clinging, the, 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 the language helps us a little bit. The, that clinging idea is to constrict or obstruct or to distract. And carrying that chain on my neck, I can resonate with constricting and just all the challenges. But even out in life, I mean, just the different obstacles that we face. Now, I was never a hurdler. And I, uh, in fact, on my letter jacket in junior high, I had a turtle, literally. A little emblem of a turtle, and that meant I was in off-season track. I wasn't qualified to get out with them. And, but as we navigate life and we're running this race, we're going to encounter obstacles and hurdles. And there's multiple ways to deal with those. And some of you are just, you're spiritually strong enough that you just know how when you can see it and it's coming, you know how to just to, to hurdle this thing. And my wife informed me after the second service, if I ever do a hurdle, don't do it like I demonstrated. I don't know how to run hurdles, okay? And I, I'm really not feeling like laying out right here. But some of you are just going to jump over this thing. And then some of you are going to probably do what I would probably do on this hurdle. I'd be like, oh, I've got this thing. And then in the process, you're like clanking this thing. And the next thing you know, you've seen people where they knock the hurdle over and their body's all twisted up in the hurdle. And that is one way to deal with the obstacles. And, and that's okay. It's just the beauty of the life of the church and the body of Christ is <clears throat> if that happens, someone's going to come over and they're going to like lift this thing and untangle you and let you crawl out of it. And they're going to help you up and pat you on the bottom and tell you to keep going. And that can be a positive thing. And then there's some of you that are just brilliant people. I like you people. Because you see the obstacle and you're just like, forget that. I'm not doing that hurdle. And you just walk around it, which is frankly the easiest way to deal with sin. Why? Why try to run through with some of the stuff? Some things are going to pop up and we can't deal with it. But there are some things in our lives that we can see down the track. And if we just prepared for it, we would navigate it differently. And so the writer's encouraging us, hey, in your Christian faith, in your journey, keep running Throw aside, lay aside every weight. 
And the sin that clings and distracts and, and, and keeps you from doing what you need to do so you can keep running. And then he tells us more specifically how to do that as we run this race with endurance. He says, looking to Jesus in verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And now... He provides some practical helps for us as we're running this race. And again, the language is so interesting because this whole idea of looking to Jesus is literally the physical act of looking away from something else or other people and fixing my eyes on Jesus so that I can see where I'm going. If you were running a race and you were in a marathon and it was weaving you through beautiful parts of the city and you were going through downtown and over bridges and, well, obviously that was in Portland, not here. But as you're doing that, it's easy to get distracted because of the breathtaking beauty. Or perhaps you're running through the downtown and maybe there's shops open and a place that you see that you're thinking, ah, oh, I'd like to do that. And so even in a marathon, there's all these opportunities for distraction. And he's reminding us, Look to Jesus. Put your eyes on the prize of the way Paul described it. And put your eyes upon the target of where you're trying to go. Look at Jesus. And he provides encouragement for us. And, and then he expounds on that even in verses 3 and 4 a little bit more about this model of Christ that we have. He says, speaking of Jesus, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. All this outside pressure. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And now, church, the tone here is not a little slap in the face. It's not this little attitude of going, man, listen, I mean, you've not, I mean, until, you, until, you've, had, until you've had some bloodshed and like been physically beat, you ain't, I mean, you don't have anything on Jesus. No, it's not, the, it's not the tone. He's simply saying, look, we serve a God who's laid down his life for us. And the reason we can look forward and the reason we can put our hope in him is because he's already gone before us. And we look at him as our example. And when we're tired and when we're distracted or when we're beat up, our hope is in him. For those of you that are familiar with the marathon concept and maybe you've been to one or participated in one. And what's fascinating is that along the course, there's uh, not only stations for you to get drinks and to be refreshed, but all along the path, there's strategic points where the hosts of the marathon lay in encouragers. And so you may be running and all of a sudden you come up on a high school band and the whole band's there and they're just, they're playing away. And when you come running through, they're just like, you don't even know these people and they're all acting like you're, they're your best friend. They're just cheering you on. You got this. Way to go. It's mile three. Come on. And then you may go down a little bit further and you finally, you turn a corner and you've hit a wall and lo and behold, there's a little first grade cheerleading squad out serving the community. And they're there and they're cheering for you and you look at their faces and all of a sudden you're like, I can do this. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in this process and there's a moment of hope and encouragement just around the bend somewhere. And the beauty of the body of Christ is we're able to provide that for one another. and We're putting our eyes on Jesus and the body of Christ through a multitude of venues and relationships. There's people that come around us and they encourage us 
And they help us continue to stay on track. And that's the beauty of walking the Christian life and the encouragement that's going on. And I like how, I like how Eugene Peterson translates this idea of this endurance that Jesus modeled. He said, when you find yourselves flagging in your faith or waning in your faith, he says, go over that story again. Item by item. That long litany of hostility that Jesus plowed through. Think through those stories. And that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And so we find our strength and our hope and our encouragement in that. And Then the text goes on and moves into a little section on discipline. And again, let me remind you that before we read this, the, the idea of discipline here is not that you're in trouble. It's not a, okay, this is punishment for what you've done. He's speaking more to a discipline that says, hey, I'm training you because I know the, I know the journey you're on. And you can't see what's over the bend, but I can. And this little hurdle here that looks like it's mean and it might be the devil or somebody else. It may be the devil. It may be the enemy. It may be your own mistakes. It could be God. And when he disciplines us, he does it to train us. And so now the obstacle's not to try to take me down. He goes, you've got to know how to get over this because when you get further down the stretch, it's going to be vital to your success. That's the context and the idea of discipline that's spoken of here. And follow with me in verse 5. The writer says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. But he disciplines us for our good. That we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When my wife was doing this marathon, she would laugh and joke. She actually did train for it. But it made her feel better to talk about it. And so she would always laugh. And her and her partner, uh, her running partner, they would, they would say, we're going to wear shirts that say sponsored by... Krispy Kreme and Starbucks. It just made them feel better. Because in reality, they were out preparing physically, but it was painful. And they were like self-medicating with these hallucinations of things that they would rather be doing. And, but the training was essential. And you would never get out there and do that without any preparation. And if you did, it would be foolish. And you would, find, you would pay a dear price for it. And all the writers saying here is going, listen. The Lord loves you. He's doing this for your good. In fact, this discipline is all about making you more like him. You're not in trouble. In fact, I went to borrow this equipment from my son's school, and I didn't tell my son that. Now it probably was a mistake, but I, uh, I just went out Friday morning and walked over and talked to the football coach and they're all running and doing drills, and the football coach was freed up and just kind of hanging out. And so I just went to ask about borrowing some of this stuff. And come to find out, my son was concerned. He said, Dad, I thought you were telling the coach to make me run harder and that I was in trouble. I said, why would I do that? 
I don't know. I just, I just thought you came to meet with him to tell him to be harder on me. It was a fascinating little insight. I'm going to chalk some of it up to 13. But church, how many times do we view God that way? No, I wasn't there to make his life miserable. In fact, I was there patting the coaches on the back going, thank you so much for investing in my kid. And our Heavenly Father's disciplining us not to, to be mean to us. He's trying to make us stronger so that we can endure and run the race to the finish line. And Peterson says it this way. He says, we respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? And while we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what's best for us. Training us to live God's holy best. And he goes on to say that at the time, discipline's not very fun, but it pays off handsomely for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. And then our final verse, Hebrews 12, 12. Listen to this imagery. He says, Therefore, again, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Now catch this. This is an interesting scripture. He's saying, listen, I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. I know you're exhausted. But you've got to keep going. If you stop now, you're really going to fall apart. You've got to keep going so you can get stronger. Perhaps the best way to illustrate this would be to think of a physical therapist. And some of you, if I mention the word physical therapist, just mean things pop in your head. and You, want to, you just want to beat on them. Because they're trained to ignore your cries of pain. <laughs> they're trained to ensure that you're going to push through when you would normally give up because they know something. If you stop now, you will never regain function. But if you work through the pain and press on, you will regain your strength and you will get back to normal and you will get back to living. Does that make sense? That's the context of the discipline that he speaks of here. And perhaps there's no greater way for me to illustrate this than to close with this video clip from an actual moment in the 1992 Summer Olympics.
I've watched that clip a few times this weekend, and every time it, it moves me and, and stirs me because it's such a portrait of this very idea that we speak of today, that we do have a Father that will come alongside us. and This guy's in the best shape of his life, and things still happen. But surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... And a loving Father will make it to the finish line. We'll make it to the finish line with nothing else holding us back. If you find yourself in that place today and the Lord may be speaking to you in a multitude of ways, it may be back to the moment of there's some weight, there's some stuff weighing me down. i got to lay that stuff aside. That, that may be relevant for you. There may be some of you who go... There's just some sin. Maybe there's just temptation and challenges that are out there that are creating a distance from me and my ability to really run the race well. There may just be some of you that are just tired. You're just exhausted. You're, you love God. You're running the best that you can. But bottom line is, if you're real honest, you, you're out of gas. You've blown a hamstring. Something's happened and you can't finish without help I'm going to ask you if you'll bow your heads and if that resonates if, if the Lord is just speaking to you today would you just stand where you're at and I want to pray for you and then we'll close the service out right after that but if that's you if you need encouragement if there's weight issues if there's sin issues what, if you just need the breath of God to touch you you need to feel the, the Father's love Stand for a moment, and I'm going to close out in prayer. Lord, we love you, and Lord, thank you for those who are standing, and Lord, we are the crowd of witnesses for them today. Lord, we unite our faith in our hearts, and we pray for them, and we stand in the gap for them and say, Lord, would you touch them? Lord, may they feel the Father's love. Lord, may they feel those weak knees being strengthened. God, would they feel... The oxygen filling their lungs up again. Lord, would you remove the cloud of darkness and despair that has hung over them? And Lord, may they see and fix their eyes on Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that as they continue to walk this race out, as they continue to walk their Christian life out, that in the pursuit of the goal to finish the race, God, they will be healed and empowered. And down the stretch, Lord, they will be that encourager or cheerleader for someone else who has fallen on the track. Lord, we love you and we thank you for that, God. We bless you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Will you stand with me? I'm going to invite our prayer workers forward. If we can pray with you more specifically about anything, we would love to do that. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it would be a privilege for us to share that with you today. And Share the good news of Jesus and how you can have relationship with him. Hope you have a great week. Be encouraged, and we'll see you next week. You're dismissed.